Thank you so much, Dave, and everyone for your love. Um, it is so amazing to be here. I also don't know loads of people, but it's been amazing to get to know some people, to see really old friends as well. Um, the mix of that I actually really love, um, to see really old friends and also get to meet people I've never met before who love London and are part of our church. That is, yeah, a beauty and a wonder. Um, so if you don't know me, Dave said a little bit about me. Yes, I live in South London with Johnny and my two kids. And um, I work for a with young refugees and asylum seekers in London by an organization that Christchurch has prayed for and given money to and supported in so many ways with volunteers over the years. It's called Refugee Education UK. It used to be called RSN, Refugee Support Network. Lots of you will know it. But look it up, especially if you're interested in supporting young refugees arriving in London at the moment. Refugee Education UK. Um, little plug. They're amazing. Um, so I just love being here. I always love the weekends away. And I actually really love the Saturday night. I'm, of course, a parent, so I don't get to go to, like, evening worship and extended times of prayer. To be honest, I'm usually, like, asleep by now, so hopefully I'll make it awake through this. Um, but I guess none of us have been out in the evenings going to extended worship and prayer, so I think this is very, very exciting for all of us. And like all of us who've spoken already this weekend, I also have been really praying and seeking God about this weekend, and particularly about this evening, just really hungry to hear from God for us. And I'm so excited to preach, to be honest. I'm really nervous, actually, because I don't know, it's a really different setting from um, a Sunday, but much more than that, I'm really, really excited because I genuinely have a sense that God has been speaking to me and God has been speaking to others, and I really think God's going to meet with us this evening in a really special way, so yeah, get excited. Um, <laughs> the, and I say that because the thing that I have felt God impress on me over and over and over, to be honest, at the beginning, I was like, please no. Um, but it kept coming back is the theme of repentance. I know it doesn't sound like a super fun Saturday night. Yeah, we're going to repent. And like, <laughs> but it is, which you'll see. Um, if anything, I think repentance does have a really kind of negative, has negative connotations, or it has the poor word carries a lot of baggage, doesn't it? It can be used in a really kind of shaming way, I think, um, by the church and kind of general culture. It's not seen as a nice word, a fun word, but it is. Um, I have realized through studying repentance, through praying about repentance, really looking into it and reflecting on it, Repentance is the most amazing thing because what repentance actually is, is an invitation from God to meet him truly, to meet him in a really authentic way, in a vulnerable way, to meet him as we really truly are. That still might sound intimidating, but the reason it's amazing is because when we do that, we experience God's love in a special, special way, I think. And the Bible tells us that. In fact, throughout kind of preparing this, I've been reminded over and over by this verse in Acts um, chapter 3, where Peter is preaching to the Israelites, and he says, repent then. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing. I think we could all use refreshing spiritually. 
I could definitely use refreshing. I think the world around us could use spiritual refreshing, don't you? And we can't give the world what we don't have. So God, would you refresh us? I'm just going to pray quickly before we get into it. God, we do desire to meet with you tonight and to be refreshed. So as we go into this sometimes tricky theme, I just pray you would open our minds and our hearts, that you would give me clarity as I speak, and your spirit would be at work, that we would experience the refreshing of your Holy Spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amazing. Okay, so we are going to be based in a psalm tonight. Um, It's a really famous um, kind of passage on repentance, if you want to learn about repentance, because it's a psalm of repentance, which David wrote after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he'd been confronted by Nathan. So it's Psalm 51. If you have a Bible or the words will come up on the screen behind me, we're going to read most of it, so bear with me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God my Savior and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God. You, God, will not despise. Okay. So, um... I'm sure all of us have, uh, you know, an understanding of repentance. I think how I would describe it very kind of plainly and basically is that uh, we all do stuff that we know doesn't please God, um, doesn't honor him with our lives. We all do it. And repentance is, I've heard many times described as turning your back on that stuff and turning yourself towards God again and pursuing God instead of the old way or the stuff that we know doesn't honor him. Now, the word that's often used to describe all this stuff is another very loaded word. Uh, We use the word sin, don't we? And um, this is, yeah, another word that has just a lot of baggage, heavy, negative connotations. Um, It's kind of like a super religious term that we use. But 
the Bible actually uses three terms to describe this stuff. Um, and we see all three in Psalm 51. They are sin, iniquity, and transgression. So we're just going to... <laughs> not where I was expecting the yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not scary. Let's go into it. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, okay, so the first <laughs> is... It's more of that. The first step that we're going to look at is this word sin. Now, like I said, uh, loaded word. It comes from the Hebrew word chata. Now, Johnny, I ran this through Johnny before, and he was like, please don't use Hebrew words if they, you like, don't need to because that's just very pretentious and annoying when people do that. And I was like, it's borderline. I don't think they really need it, but it's really fun, isn't it? <laughs> so, so bear with me. It gives me a little bit of like street cred as a preacher. Um, it's borderline, you'll see, kind of. Um, so chata, so yes, sin, it, it, this loaded uber-religious word we have, chata though, is um, not, it's, it's not a religious word in, uh, it wasn't at the time at all in Hebrew. It simply means to miss the mark. So you could say, or, or to fail at something, to miss the mark or fail. So you could say that England chatad a few penalties this summer. I know, I know, sorry. No, I'm so proud of the boys. I'm proud of the boys. I'm so proud of them. There's nothing wrong with failing, with chatai. But um, in the Bible, this is the word that's used to, of course, in the context of the Bible, to describe how humans miss the mark to honor God as we should, to love God as we should. And it's actually referred to um, us missing the mark to love other human beings, which is just two sides of the same coin in the Bible because humans are created in the image of God, biblically speaking. You see, David says, against you and you alone have I sinned. You probably thought, oh, I thought that was Bathsheba. But to, to him in that moment in repentance to him that sin against a human being is a sin against God the second word avon iniquity avon is kind of a poetic word that's used throughout the bible iniquity and it's used to describe something that was level that has been bent out of shape or distorted and it's used um uh, throughout the Bible to describe um, I, the way I understand it, kind of the essence of um, human brokenness. So God created us in relationship with him and with one another on a relationship that was founded on faithfulness and trust and human beings. We've bent that. We have distorted our relationship with God and one another. And the third one is transgression. Um, which comes from the word pesha. And uh, you pesha someone when you're in a relationship with them. That sounded weird. When you're in a relationship with them and you break their trust. So it's, it's only used for two people who have trust between them and then that trust is broken. And of course, we see this in the very beginning of the Bible where Adam and Eve break God's trust. Now, what I find interesting about all three terms is that all of them can describe, they could describe some, a single act that is um, taken, but they all can also describe kind of general um, conditions of the human heart. And in fact, lots of us do these three things without even realizing so much is it kind of in the human, uh, part of the human condition. And I, I heard recently that these can also be described as not simply breaking God's rules, but they are all three are breaking God's 
heart. So interesting. I was last week in the middle of preparing this and thinking about it, and I'm in the playground with my kids, and I overhear a conversation between two dads. I wasn't eavesdropping. I didn't hear most of the conversation, but I heard this one line weirdly, which was a weird line for them to be saying. But anyway, one of them said to the other, you know, at the end of the day, we're living in a, a post-morality parenting age, aren't we? Um, and I thought, wow, that's so true. I was preparing this, thinking about, like, missing the mark, and I was like, the world around us doesn't see a mark to miss. When you don't know a holy, perfect God who tells human beings from the outside in how we can flourish, how we can live with him, how we can live with one another, what's right and what's wrong? Who says that? Who sets it? There is none. But we who know a holy, perfect God, we know we miss the mark every day. We know that there is um, guidance for us on how to live that we just on our own fail all the time to live by. So interesting. I am... Um, I'm sure lots of you, I've just been so heartbroken by what's happening in Afghanistan. Of course, my work, I know lots of Afghans in London and um, have been to Afghanistan, actually, amazingly. Um, and yeah, it's just really heartbreaking, isn't it, what's happening? And I was kind of been really grappling with it, and I was really excited to see an email from someone I know in my inbox who um, sent out kind of a group email to people who support this family, and um, he spent decades working in Afghanistan and understands Afghans and Afghanistan much better than anyone else I know. And he just sent it out with his reflections on what's happening at the moment, and I found it fascinating and just really helpful that he said, everyone's trying to work out what is the root of what's gone wrong. What, what happened that we've ended up there, that they have ended up in this place or we have ended up in this place? And he says, Jesus told us the root problem. It's corruption of the human heart. Whatever the cultural variant, we all have that virus. I found it so humbling as I'm watching the news to think, I have that virus. We can look and think, I would, we would never imagine these things, but we actually all carry that same virus. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I well, I think it's fair to say, the last year and a half has been very hard. Um, really um, tough to get through these lockdowns, right? In particular, and the uncertainty and the anxiety and some of the fallout that we've experienced from COVID in so many areas of our lives. And um, in some ways, I feel really proud of how I got through it. And I'm sure everybody is proud of some ways they were able to get through it and be strong or do this or that that helped them get through that time. But I don't know about you, but I actually found myself, I felt like I was missing the mark over the last year and a half more than maybe any other time in my life. At the beginning of it, I thought, I am going to really seek God through this experience. This is a moment of uncertainty and difficulty, and I'm just going to really dig into God with the time I have. Well, I found myself becoming, to be honest, really spiritually numb a lot of the time and spiritually unmotivated. I mean, it's a fascinating thing to lose all of the structures that around you would have um, kept you flourishing in life in all the areas you want to. But I'm not actually making an excuse because I think I, I could have done um, better than I did, to be honest. I felt, Johnny says, spiritually flabby is a good word to describe it. 
also there were relational things that I think came up for all of us. So these restrictions, different people interpreted them in different ways, and some of us are, so we live in a, a close, a very quiet close. My daughter's very good friends with the other kids in the close. Some of the kids were in and out of each other's houses the whole time, and we could see them playing outside our window. That was so hard for us, so, so hard, to have to keep our girl inside while there were kids playing outside our, our window. And to be honest, I felt so angry a lot of the time. I felt so bitter towards my neighbors, to be completely honest. And I think it seems to be that lots of us experienced in different ways relational, um, you know, iniquity, transgression, sin. It was really hard. But you know, however we're coming into this summer, into this retreat, into this evening, God is not fed up with us. He's not surprised by the stuff we're bringing. He knows and he loves us like we've heard all day already. And he is inviting into this beautiful, life-giving and refreshing act of repentance, I think. Now, just to be clear, if you are a Christian today. Repentance is slightly different for if you're not a Christian today. So when we become believers in Jesus, there's a type of repentance that we go through that um, is kind of repenting for our whole lives, the past, the present, and the future. And Jesus pardons our past, our present, and our future. Um, so that's kind of the first repentance we experience. And after that, we are covered by the blood of Jesus. Romans tells us in chapter 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means and none of your sin can stand between you and God. Legally, it is finished. You are pure before God. No matter what the last 18 months, no matter what the last week, no matter what the last two years has looked like for you, you are righteous and pure in his sight in the name of Christ Jesus. So why do we repent as Christians? I read a helpful article um, which uh, explains this exact thing like this. It says, believers then continue to pray daily for forgiveness, not with the despair of one who thinks he is lost, but in the confidence of, a justifi of justified and adopted children approaching a heavenly father who has declared them just in Jesus Christ. When we confess sin, we're not experiencing a new justification, but a renewed application of our justification. That's about as technical as we're going to get, so don't worry. But I found that really helpful, a renewed application of that initial justification we experienced. So when it's um, a bit like marriage. So when I married Johnny, we made vows, and now we are forever married, right? If I decide to, um, which sometimes I do, decide to be a real brat to him, and I don't um, spend time with him, and I, I don't, um, you know, invest my friendship and my life into his, do I stop being married? No. Do I miss out, though, on the intimacy of my marriage? Yes. Do I miss out on the friendship of my marriage? Yes. Do I miss out on the fun of my marriage? Yes. So as Christians, we don't stop being God's children, 
But relationally, do we start to miss out on the joy of our forgiveness, on the joy of our salvation, on the joy of the intimacy with God, knowing his pleasure over us, his love over us? I think yes. I find that. I don't know about you. So this, this last time and any time I go through times where I just am not feeling great about the way I'm investing my life into pursuing God, into knowing God, whenever I go through those times, I don't like having quiet times. It's not really an attractive thing to do at the end of the day with my evening, which is when I have quiet times. I'm not a morning person. Um, when you're just feeling a bit rubbish about yourself with God, you don't feel like going to God. Worship isn't so fun, is it, when you're feeling far? Prayer doesn't feel effective or powerful because you feel far from God, or I definitely do. It's just like any other relationship that we have to come back to, invest in, say sorry, no forgiveness. So we've talked about why we repent. Well, yes, we've talked about yeah, what repentance is, why we repent. How do we repent? And we talked about the basics of that, but I think Psalm 51 gives us such an amazing depth of insight into what repentance can be. So he says in, David says in verse 17, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Now, this is the sentence that stood out to me when I started reading it in preparation for today. I just thought it was really interesting because sacrifice was what people did in the Old Testament and burnt offerings to be close to God again and to kind of make themselves clean because they didn't have Jesus. So I wondered why, and I realized repentance is not an exchange with Jesus especially God isn't asking us to pay anything to be forgiven. In fact, we sang earlier when we were singing about Jesus, a sacrifice was made. A sacrifice has been made so that when we come in repentance, God isn't looking for a sacrifice, a burnt offering. I was remembering a time when I was about 17 years old and I really messed up. I did something that I felt um, was wrong, sinful, and um, I was very um, sorry before God and repentant, and I tried to receive God's forgiveness for it because I knew it was there for me, but I just couldn't shake um, me feeling bad about it, and I wanted to go and tell a church leader I knew at the time who I really looked up to and respected. Now, I was understandably terrified. So um, I was reflecting on, okay, why do I want to do this? And I realized through reflecting that it wasn't actually, I didn't feel that God was asking me to do it because it would have been a helpful thing for my walk with him. I realized the reason I wanted to tell this person about what I'd done was because I felt that then God, I would be so humiliated by the experience that God would know how sorry I was. That is not biblical repentance. God is not asking for a sacrifice. A sacrifice was made. And the next line gives us such an indication of what then we bring. So you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. 
a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. And I think that is the answer for us tonight. What God asks of us in repentance is our hearts, is our spirit. It's not an exchange. He's not asking that we come and make a payment, but he is asking that we come as we are with our hearts, with our spirits. So you see what repentance is, is that we come to him as we truly are in spirit and in truth. And we remind ourselves of who he is and who we are in him. If we stay away from repentance, if we stay with all our stuff that builds up over time, we get further and further. And you know what? We start to hear lies about who he is and who we are in him. But when we are brave enough to come in repentance, come as we truly are, however messy, however messed up, however much we feel like we have missed the mark, he doesn't care. He just wants our hearts. And when we come in that place, we remember, that is who you are. You've accepted me as I am. And this is who I am. I love the message translation of these two amazing verses. It says this, going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. Heart-shattered lives, ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. He doesn't want our perfection or attempts at it. He doesn't want our performance. He simply wants us. I was thinking about how when my six-year-old daughter, Maddie, if she does something that displeases me, that she knows she needs to say sorry for, that she knows that I'm not happy about, she can come and go through the motions and say, she does like, sorry, like that. And she doesn't look me in the eye, and she's usually kind of walking away, and she says it in that kind of weird way. Sorry, with a weird accent. <laughs> Don't know where she got that. <laughs> and, um, and I know that she's not ready. She's too upset or angry to actually be sorry. There are other times where Maddie does something to displease me, and I look at her in the eye and she looks at me in the eye and you know what in those little six-year-old eyes they are often full of tears and I can tell without anything from her that she is sorry and you know I teach her to say sorry because that's an important life skill but a relational skill but um do you know what? as a parent I, I don't really care what she says at that point it just totally breaks my heart I want to scoop her in my arms I hold her and I just want to kiss her and tell her that I forgive her and I love her and you know what it's my great pleasure to forgive her it's my delight to forgive her in those moments God that is a dim reflection of how God feels about you when you come to him he doesn't really care about the performance articulate it because that is nice. It's a relationship like any other. But he just wants you as you really are. Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we don't know what to say. Sometimes there's just tears. God sees our hearts just like we can see other people's, right, in their eyes. Now, to come into closing, I felt like, well, reflecting on this, how do we meet with God in this way? What is the best way to remember who he is and who we are in him in repentance? Of course, it's the cross. 
Coming to the cross is the best place to come for repentance, to experience what we've been talking about. There is another beautiful clue in Psalm 51 I found. You know, he says, um, you probably, well, I was like, what? when I first read it, but he says, cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Now, interestingly, hyssop is, they think oregano, <laughs> doesn't sound as cool, but um, a spongy plant, which now would be oregano, um, but it was a spongy plant that could soak up liquid and the Israelites used it to mark their doors um, during the Passover with the blood of the Passover lamb so God would pass over them and they would be saved. It made me think ahead to the ultimate Passover lamb, to Jesus. Isaiah 53 describes Jesus like this, and I think it so beautifully mirrors Psalm 51. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When we bring our sin, our iniquity, and our transgression to the cross, we can imagine Jesus there on the cross. And you know what? In him is all of our sin, all of our iniquity, all of our transgression. In him on the cross being dealt with once and for all. And when you come to the cross and you can see the specific stuff you want to bring to God up there with him on the cross, you can know that to you flows pure grace, pure acceptance, pure forgiveness. That's all that comes down from you. No judgment, no harsh words. Repentance is not a dirty word. It's beautiful. What flows to you is grace and love. Psalm 51 says, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And that is what we are tonight, whiter than snow. God wants us to know he wants us to come in repentance, not because he wants to make us feel bad about ourselves. The sacrifice was made. Don't do that. He wants you to come in repentance to remind you, you've done that thing. You're whiter than snow to me. Come to me. Like Maddie to me, come. Come, my child. Come as you are, leave the performance, leave the pretension. All of us have gone astray. None of us, none of us is without sin. Paul says that in the New Testament, none of us is without sin. And if we claim to be, we are lying. It's not true. If you see anybody and you think they must be perfect, they're not. I'm not perfect, I promise you. <laughs> I feel like I've revealed some of that tonight, but please know that. So to close, just want to draw us over to Colossians 1 and leave us there. Colossians 1 says, Now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firmed, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, I believe through repentance holy in his sight tonight. I want you to hear you are holy. You know, we say, don't we, when I was reading my Bible yesterday and the other person goes, oh, you're so holy. I was thinking, 
No, we're not holy because we read our Bible. I'm holy when I don't read my Bible. You're holy if you weren't reading your Bible. I'm not holy if I pray. I'm holy if I don't pray. I'm only holy because he died for me. He makes me holy by nothing I've done, only by him. The beginning of Psalm 51, by, according to your great compassion, according to your unfailing love, have mercy. It's all about him, nothing to, to do with us. We are holy because he's made us holy. We are without blemish in his sight. None of that stuff that may have come up in your mind tonight as we've been talking, none of that is a blemish on you in Jesus Christ. And you are free from accusation. If there's been any accusations coming towards you, you can shut them up in the name of Jesus. You are free from accusation by the power of his blood. Now, in a moment, we are... We've got a cross, which is very exciting. Nate kindly, I called Nate the other day, or texted Nate the other day, and I was like, Nate, I have this crazy idea. Do you think very last minute we could, like, make a cross? He's like, I am on it. And he literally just sent me a photo, like, it felt like hours later. I think it was the next day. Um, we decided we wanted to do hammer and nails. Nate and I were quite excited about that, but we decided maybe for health and safety reasons we won't do hammer and nails, but we have tacks. Um, and everybody has a piece of paper and a pen. Or there should be like a few pens per row, so share your pens. Um, but everybody has a piece of paper. Now, of course, nobody has to do this. But this is something I did once on a retreat. Um, and I think it can be incredibly powerful. What we're going to do is we're in the next 15 minutes of worship, we're just going to give space if anyone wants to bring anything to the cross. So what it would involve is a of course, writing something down. I think this can be, if there is something specific that has come up for you or through the worship, something comes up that you feel, I think God wants me to bring that to the cross this evening. I'd encourage you, write it down. You can fold it up. Nobody's gonna be reading these, trust me. <laughs> trust me. And tack it, you can tack it folded onto the cross. I'll make sure the tacks are um, easy to see. I think they are. And if you want to, we've made some space around the cross. If people want to spend a moment at the cross, you're welcome to. This is a really safe place. Please use this evening as a safe place to meet with God, however you feel led to. Equally, if you want to stay in your seat, that's completely fine. But that is there as something we can do tonight. Again, I've, I've done this at a retreat and just found it, to be honest, it was a life-changing um, weekend that the, at the retreat I did this at because of that exercise. So I'd encourage you um, do that. I also just wanted to remind us with that exercise that in Isaiah 53, right before the verses I read, it also says that surely Jesus took up our pain and bore our suffering. On the cross is not only our sin, our iniquity, or and our transgression, but also our pain. So I just felt like I should mention that if anyone has anything they just tonight, I know there's, there could be so much that all of us have, but if there's something in particular you want to bring it, it can be whatever God brings up for you. The cross holds your pain. It holds your suffering. It holds your sin, iniquity, and transgression. So let's be refreshed by God tonight. Let's give our hearts to him like we've already been doing and meet with him as he wants to meet with us. Why don't we stand and maybe the band could come back up and I'll pray for us.
So we have about 15 minutes in worship, kind of reflecting on what we've been talking about this evening. And then um, myself or David and Philippa will be back um, to lead us through the next bit of ministry time. Why don't we pray? Jesus, thank you for this truth. I just thank you that we're off the hook. That whatever we've done, whatever we even feel like we are tonight, you see us as holy. You see us as blameless. You see us as without, well, we are without accusation before you. And I want to pray by the power of the name of Jesus that you would set us free from grave clothes that we've been carrying. I pray that we would lay them down, God, tonight. That we would leave this evening not just encouraged, but different. That you would bring to mind for each of us something to lay at your feet. Something to bring to you. Not as a sacrifice, but as our authentic selves and how we're really doing. Come, Holy Spirit, in your kindness, in your mercy, and meet with us.